Welcome back to the Pittsburgh Sports Cast, where two college students discuss all things Pittsburgh sports all year round. I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be discussing yet another exhibition game between the Pirates and the Indians. Of course, the Indians came down to Pittsburgh to kick us on in PNC Park. And yesterday, the Pirates returned the favor, going up the Turnpike into the shores of Lake Erie to progressive field to take on the Cleveland Indians. And, well, it, it seems like we're regurgitating the same points with regards to positivity and negativity, um, except the extremes have been more pronounced. But yes, once again, that pitching was just very frustrating to watch. Yes. Uh, the Pirates did end up losing to Cleveland in nine innings of the score of 11 to seven. Um, the the Indians scored in every inning um, from the third on. So every inning in the third, so th- third through ninth, uh, they scored, and it just wasn't good. I mean, I'm <laughs> it. I'm I'm out of English. I'm at a loss for words for what the, that pitching performance was. From everyone. Every single pitcher. Yeah. He started Trevor Williams. Yeah, Williams was probably the most effective, but that's because he went three innings and only gave up the one run, which isn't what you want. But, yeah, it's just really... It was really frustrating. Like, on the pitching end of things, I struggled to find really any positives. Like, you you can look like... If you looked at uh, Saturday's game... You can find plenty of positives with the pitching, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously, we talked about uh, how good uh, Joe Musgrove was or Chad Cool. Uh, Nick Birdie, I think, impressed as well. But pretty much everyone that went out there uh, wasn't able to do the job that they were set out to do. Like, it was I mean, just I, a hit parade. I think... Yeah. The closest one to success is um what what's his name Michael Feliz? Yes, Feliz. I think Feliz um he gave up a home run, which is obviously you don't want to do that. But I think out of every pitcher, he was probably the closest to being effective. <laughs> Um, because even Trevor Williams' three innings were shaky. Like, it wasn't like a confident three innings of baseball. It was very, very shaky, I thought. I thought there was a lot of hard contact um, that the Indians got off of him. Even in, like, the, like the first inning, there were three hard-hit balls that Dyson, I believe, had to track down. I mean... He was shaky. Um, Chris Stratton looked horrendous. Um, he he couldn't find his own when he could. The ball was getting smacked. Um, Richard Rodriguez was the worst, in my opinion. Oh, I don't know what he was go, doing. Don't run about Richard Rodriguez, please. Like, I don't even know. <sighs> How many pitches does he have to hang? Like, ugh. Put some movement located. It's the major leagues, buddy. Like, 
I get it. It's preseason. I don't want to rush to judgment, like I said last episode, over and over. But when you're consistently that bad in an outing, because he was the guy that gave up those four runs in that big inning, I think. Yes, because he gave up a walk. No, he gave up a base hit, a walk, and then a home run. Yeah. It was I just. Think he gave up another home run later. Yeah, I know. It... He, he, he couldn't do anything. Like, that, that was probably one of the worst performances, blobs by a reliever, like, in a while. Like I said, I hope he can get it together before the season starts. Otherwise, um, that adds yet another shaky piece to the bullpen situation, which we've been talking ad nauseum about. You know know who I thought played awful, too? Who? For his second straight appearance, Dovidas Navarazquez. Like, all I keep hearing out of camp is, oh, he has amazing stuff. His stuff's really good. He has nasty stuff. But he gave up a run last game, and he gave up another run with more hard contact. Like, because he's the only pitcher who's pitched in both games. And he just didn't pitch well. Indeed, it was just... Kyle Crick also had a terrible outing. You again? Well, did he pitch again? Or no, he didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about Saturday. My bad. I'm, I'm still... I still can't get over that blow-up, but... Yes, it seemed like every pitcher that came in got shelled. 15 hits total for the Cleveland Indians. Um, it was just really frustrating to watch. Um, but I tell you what what kind of dampened things, at least if you want to talk about it. Um, a lot of positives in the offense, all right? Because obviously, obviously you need lockdown pitching to be able to win games. Because as we saw with the Pirates, you can still score seven runs. Uh, get 11 hits and manage to lose uh, if your pitching's that bad. But it's nice to see the Pirates uh, get the bats working at least to some capacity. Um, obviously couldn't outslug the Indians, but yeah. See, I'm, I'm even hesitant to even say the hitting's a positive. Because yes, we scored seven runs, but dude, we left so many runs on the field. Or I guess I on the base Like, right? The seventh and eighth inning, we both had... We both had. In the seventh and eighth inning, both innings, we had the bases loaded and no, and no outs. And we're only able to produce one run, which was walked in. Yeah. That's basically... Like, I, I've said it over again. That's the That's been the theme of the Pirates... That was the theme of the Pirates when they were when they were good. So, uh, obviously, it would be nice if that changed. Like, like thinking back. Uh, apologies for my brief tangent, but going back to that 2015 season where it was just us and St. Louis. That was the difference. That was why the St. Louis Cardinals won the division that 2015 season, and really all three of those seasons is because they were so so good at driving in runs with runners in scoring position. I remember Alan Craig having a 400-plus average with runners in scoring position, which is absolutely insane. 
But going back on to where we were, yes, it is very frustrating to see Pirates leave runners on base. And it has not gotten any less frustrating in 2020 than it was back in those days. Um, but yeah, it, although I will say like it is a positive that the Pirates were still able to put up seven runs, despite the fact that they were completely inept at driving in runners and scoring position in those scenarios. See, um, but here's my thing. Right. <sighs> is that with those back-to-back innings at the bases loaded and no one out, right, when you know you're pitching is a joke. So far. Again, we're going to try not to overreact, but but we're <laughs> not seeing very much, very um, encouraging things from the mound. You you can't let those opportunities squander. Because, yes, it's, not only, it's only an exhibition game. I agree. But if you even get uh, one hit, I'm asking for one hit in both innings. That It's a tie ball game, most likely. Assuming the runner from second scores. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's 11-11. And yes, would we still be complaining about the pitching? Yes, we would. But at least... At least... That you would have some positives. Because right now, I'm sorry. But with the pitching the way it is... Which is awful. With the pitching the way it is... The offense can't have errors. Precisely. I agree with you there. That's the reality, right? So, I I understand where you're like... Well, you know, the offense put up seven runs. And, you know, there are some positives. I know we were talking about Heredia... At least we were texting about him. An amazing play out in Rayfield where he gunned down the runner going to third base for a final out and then came back and hit a solo home run. And I could understand we were like, that's a positive. But at the end of the day, when you're pitching right now, so as bad as it is, you, those lack of hits with runners in scoring position is going to cost you games, right? And the reality is, You can't let the bases loaded happen two straight times with no outs, and the only one you get is a walk. You know what I'm saying? When you're pitching as bad as it is... Oh yeah, I I definitely agree with you that yes, our hitters need to excel and execute in those situations, but like, for me, like... I just think that, like, it's hard. Obviously, we would have we would have had a better chance of winning if you had knocked in those runs. But I think it's hard to expect more out of your offense when you're putting up seven runs. I mean, yeah, I get it. Our pitching sucks. So then, what? Like at that point, if you're scoring seven runs and you don't win the game, just chalk it up to your pitching. I mean, it's just simple as that. I mean. If your pitcher, if you score seven runs and lose the game, I would place blame primarily on pitching. Like, yes, like I said, we deserve to criticize where we see, uh, you know, those situations and failing to capitalize. But I, I wouldn't go all doom and gloom on, you know, the Pirates offense. Because, again, they put up seven runs, but you can't be giving up 11 runs. 
simultaneously. Now, so, see, I agree with you to the extent of yes, is pitching the number one issue? Yes, I, I think everyone with half a brain cell who's a pirate fan would would agree with you. But my point is that you still left runs on the table in a game that A didn't matter, agreed, but B so pretend this is okay, let's pretend this is a regular season game. Right? You had an opportunity to quote unquote bail out your pitching staff. If you just get two base hits with the bases loaded. Because you have the bases loaded twice and no outs. Again. So no out, a case we forget, means you have three batters who are going to come up. Multiply by two, because that's how this works when you get the bases loaded twice with no outs. Six batters. You had six dudes who had an opportunity to all they had to do is get the ball. One hit. Well, two hits for, for the four runs. But you know what I'm saying? And, and no one made contact, if I remember correctly. I think everyone struck out. Yeah, well... I guess that's the other thing with the bases loaded. Oh, great. See, now I'm going. See, that's the other thing now. Is that with the bases loaded, no one... Hit a fly ball, man. Hit a fly yeah, I know. ball. Well, here's the... Here's the thing, right? I think that a lot of I think Pirates hitting coaches over the years have have said that. But the problem is, I I think I think like yeah, obviously you want to fly ball, you want to get it out of the infield. But I think you're when you're actively trying to hit a sack fly, that's when you mess up. When you're trying to do what would be seen as the simpler task, like obviously, I think but uh, obviously if you get up to the plate. You, you wanna you know you want to get ahead you want to drive the ball somewhere but I think I think our hitting coaches may have placed too much emphasis on just getting a sack fly and I don't think that getting a sack fly with in that situation running around third less than two outs I don't think that that should be perceived as like the goal like obviously that's good if we get a sack fly but obviously like when you come up to the plate you should be looking to get a hit and then if you end up with a sack fly then oh well you still got something out of it um conversely of course you have to make sure that you get the ball you do have to make sure that you get the ball in the air because the last thing you want to double play how many times have we seen i remember there were like three straight games the pirates were down by one in the ninth inning last year and they had bases loaded, one out. And what does the guy do? Comes up there, grounds into a good old-fashioned double play, and game over. But regardless, I think I think we just gotta tell our guys to just keep the line moving and get and get hits rather than emphasizing too much sack fly. Yes, and I get what you're saying, but look at what happened last night. You had a ground out to the pitcher who threw it home for an out, and then you struck out five times. And the one, and the one guy was walked in. And then one guy was walked in between um, that point. Yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? You can't yeah, strike I, out I, five I, times with the bases loaded I in a game that you're actively losing. Put the ball in play. <laughs> yeah, put the ball in play. It's my point. You're right. Maybe don't teach him, hey, go get a sack fly or whatnot. But put the ball in play at least. Yeah. And they weren't even able to do that. 
again, I'll go back to the point. With a pitching staff that you already know is questionable. You can't, and, and yes, this is an exhibition, but in a regular season game, you can't let those opportunities squander, even if you scored seven runs. Because we know the pitching sucks. That's just foregone knowledge, foregone conclusion at this point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when you have that knowledge, you can't in the regular season let that happen to you. You can't leave the bases loaded with no on with no outs and only get a run that's walked in happen. That's just reality. Yeah, I, definitely. I will say this though, it really speaks volumes how bad your pitching staff is when you can actually legitimately look at your offense that just scored seven runs and say, that's not good enough. You have to be better. I mean, like I said, it's true. It wasn't good enough. They did have to be better and they had opportunities where they could have been better. But that's really, that's really terrible. I mean, I I do not want to... That would be something if we had, like, a top five offense in the league and still finished under 500 missed playoffs. But that's how bad our pitching is. Like, I mean, that's a realistic possibility at this point. Yeah, I mean, even without Polanco, like, you still have some guys that can hit the ball. I mean, look at that Heredia guy just coming up out of nowhere, hitting oppo tacos. It's just... Bell was an oppo taco. Him too. Yeah, Josh Bell looks to be back on track. You know who yeah. really impressed me? That's, if we're going to talk some positives out of losing 11-7. Um, and our offense not being able to score twice on basically yeah. no outs. Uh, Colin Moran. Colin Moran has been someone who I'm like, hey, you're kind of impressing me so far. <laughs> um... You know, he, I think he, he had a home run last night. And, you know, he he's a very professional baseball player, I think. It, you know, he drove he drove in 80 runs last year. And, yes, is he going to be an all-star third baseman? Probably not. But I think he's a very professional, very, very professional player. Yeah, I definitely like Colin Moran. Uh, unfortunately, he's the slowest on the team. I, rem- I remember all the last two years, they they would bring in Joe Musgrove to pinch run for him in late inning situations. That's how slow he was. But yeah, he can hit. He could certainly hit the ball. Um, maybe depending on how the pitcher and the situations, you might we might want to use him as a DH if we have a third baseman. Like once. Um, Brian Hayes gets cleared you know I'd like to see him at third potentially uh, I do think we have a lot of op- it opens up a lot of options for us the fact that Colin Moran is able to perform like that um, yeah I definitely agree with you he's he's probably that's he's probably close to a ceiling right now he's a solid pro in a normal season he'll be good for about 20 bombs maybe but, yeah, definitely liking what I'm seeing from him. Um, and uh, going going with positives, how about this Cole Tucker outfield experiment? So, Cole Tucker has gone through his entire life as a baseball player, Little League, up through the pros, and this was his first time playing outfield. He had never played outfield before, and he goes into the outfield, made a nice play out there. 
Um, but what are your thoughts on the Cole Tucker outfield experiment? Obviously, with the depleted outfield now that Polanco has COVID and stuff. I think it's a little blown out of proportion. Um, yes, Cole Tucker, you know, played some outfield last night, and he did make a nice catch. Though I think, I think the it really wasn't a dive. It was him catching it and not knowing where the wall was. And try not to get himself killed. It wasn't like it was a diving catch. It was a catch, and then he stopped. And the only oh, way yeah. Stopped. It, was still, it was still impressive. I mean, it's not going to win him a... I almost said Puskas. Gold glove. But, um... Yeah. I mean, if... It, okay, I put it to you like this. Um... If we're talking about... Cole Tucker making that catch in center field... As a positive, you know how bad the game went. <laughs> right? But yeah, I mean, I definitely think that his athleticism is really uh, makes for a really good outfield position. I mean, frankly, I'm, I was surprised. I mean, when you look at him, he just looks like an outfielder. Like he looks like he belongs out there. And I, I when I when I look at Cole Tucker, I, I the last thing I see is shortstop. I don't know, but that's just me. But yeah, and it, it's a great way to keep uh, to have some good depth there while also keeping uh, Newman and Frazier's bats in the lineup too. Cole Tucker, that's the other thing. He hasn't impressed me in the first two games um, with his bat. Like he, I think if I if I'm not correct. Or if I am correct, that he was up there both times with the bases loaded, and was one of the ones who couldn't make contact either time. Oh yes, and that's one of the other things. Cole Tucker, uh, defensive-minded shortstop. Um, I don't, I frankly don't really see that first-round potential because he was our 2014 first-round pick. Yes, he I was. Remember. Um, frankly, I just think that he, I, I think that Huntington kind of dropped the ball there. Like when you look at our 2014 first round pick, Cole Tucker, and then you look at, you know, we just are the shortstop. We just drafted this year, the top hitter in the NCAA. So I just, I think that with the advent of, you know, juice baseballs and stat cast, I think that defense first shortstops uh, are slowly kind of getting phased out. Same thing kind of with catchers, especially if they go forward with the uh, automated strike zone that they've been testing out in over the past couple of years. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you need you need to have eight position players in the lineup who are able to hit the ball. Like, obviously, uh, Jack Wilson... Uh, pr- probably should have won a gold glove or two. He was insane. Probably one of the few bright spots of the dark ages. But obviously, as we know, he wasn't the best at the plate. He had his moments, but wasn't really uh, impressive, to say the least. Uh, Clint Barmas, I think, was probably our best offensive performing shortstop. And that and he- says a lot. 
Yeah, I know. That's that's what I mean. He was kind of solid with the glove. Jordy Mercer might have a say. If he might have edged out Barmas. Although, I think Barmas, even though he was here for a shorter time, I think performed a bit better. Um, than Mercer. Uh, Mercer uh, although, I think Barmas was better defensively than Mercer. But anyway... Yeah, it's yeah, really... Really, it's re- it really says how your shortstops have been when your best hitting shortstops Clint Barnes. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially when you look at other other position, other shortstops coming up. You know how good of hitters they are now. Yeah, and we have none of them. <laughs> never have, never have, never will. Well, we're hoping for this first on draft pick that maybe he can he can be something. Yep, indeed. Really glad he signed for us. Um, yeah. So I think that wraps up the game portion of it. But um, something that is a bit of a recent development that I don't know. Uh, I guess your opinion of the Toronto Blue Jays, of course due to government regulations, can't play in Canada. So they have to play somewhere else. And right now, it seems the leading candidate is Pittsburgh. So what are your thoughts on the Toronto Blue Jays playing their home games at PNC Park? I mean, I'm not mad at it. As long as it doesn't conflict with the Pirates and the MLB and the Pirates and everyone around this situation and said it's not going to, I, I don't mind it. Um, I think the Pirates are... They're not a first-class organization, but I think they'll do... They'll do everything they can to make the Blue Jays feel comfortable. I know some people were asking, like, on Twitter and stuff, will we get to see the Blue Jays games now since they're playing at PNC? I don't think we will, just because, you know, the Pirates will still be playing, just not at home. It's not like the Pirates go out west at all this season because of the new schedule. The farthest they go, I believe, would be... What's farther? Cincinnati or Detroit? I guess I'm St. Louis? Or Chicago? For the Pirates? Yeah, St. Louis. Be St. Louis, right? And that's but only an hour. The, but the Blue different. Jays would be playing the Yankees and the... The O's and the Rays and the Red Sox, obviously. Correct. Um, and then... The Phillies and Nationals and, and them boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I don't know if you need to be uber, uber excited about it just because of... um. Yeah, I just don't think we'll see any, any of their games unless you go on, like, MLB.TV or something and watch a Jays yeah. game. Cause yeah, really? Jays are, like, fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, like, I I think that's I think it's good for the Pirates that the people can't watch the Blue, Blue Jays games even if they're played here because I think they would lose even more fans than they're already losing. Agreed. I think a lot of people would jump on the Toronto hype train, especially with the exciting people they got, Ladito and uh, now Bo Bichette and all the and they young have, guys. Um, Guerrero's kid. That's what that Ladito. Herrera oh. Jr. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, like the difference between them and us is we're rebuilding and who do we got? They're rebuilding and look who they got. So I mean really exciting times for them. You got I'm trying to think. Josh Bell's exciting. Brian Rose an exciting player as well. We got a couple exciting players, I think. Yeah. Josh Bell is the only analogy I can think of. Crazy though, uh, how Vladdy Jr. is essentially younger than us. Yeah. He's performing in the major leagues. And pretty like, well crazy. in this part too. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of it kind, it kind of hit me at first. I remember back when Zion was at Duke, I remember watching Zion and thinking, wow, that dude's the same age as me. Like, that's crazy. I he mean, was destroying. Because back when I was, like, younger, I was like, well, these dudes are these dudes are grown men, you know? They're, mm-hmm. And I'm just a kid, so, you know, obviously they're going to be pretty good. But now that the people in college and now even the people in the pros are just as old uh, or even younger now than me. It's kind of, it, the, it kind of makes you appreciate what they do even more because, especially with my athletic ineptitude. <laughs> yeah, because I know Trey Young was like the one for me who like I'm older than. And I was like, Wow, like he's in the NBA making millions and playing really well, and I'm like a person, you know. <laughs> well, you are indeed a person. I'm a person. Uh, we're all people. Yeah, but yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy times. Obviously, one more game. Um, tomorrow, it will be back in Pittsburgh against Cleveland before we finally kick things off on Friday in St. Louis. What are your expectations for tomorrow's game, Chris? We gotta be, gotta give me something to, to be positive about pitching-wise. <laughs> um... Derek Holland, I know, is going tomorrow, and I looked at his ERA, and it's 6.09. And he's, what, our fourth or fifth best pitcher? He's listed as our fourth. I would put Kula ahead of him. Maybe even Brault. Who's our fifth, then? Oh, yeah, we're doing that weird Brault cool thing. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. We're going to have the worst ERA in, like, MLB history. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a top five offense and a bottom five pitching staff. (laughs) Oh, my word. Um, I'm trying to think. What am I looking for? Kyle Crick is slated to pitch. Um, I'm looking for a bounce-back performance from him. Nick Birdies, I, I believe, will also pitch. So I'm kind of looking to see how he improves on a, on a good outing for the most, most part on um, on his last performance. So I'm looking for some to build. I'm trying to th- and I don't know who else is pitching, but be, like, better than what last night was. Quite simple. Quite simply, be better. But, be yeah. Better. 
I think my expectations are um, be better with runners in scoring position. Um, my expectations are if there if we have a runner on third and less than two outs, we have to drive them in every time. You got to drive them in, run out there, listen to outs. No excuses. You have to be able to do it, especially with the pitching we got. We have no room for error in that. Um, you got. You have to make the most of those opportunities. And if I had to pick, uh, I'll ask you this after this. But if you had to go for one hit to click in terms of pitching, I'll say pitching because our offenses have uh, been pretty good aside from those seventh and eighth innings. Um, if you had to go with one to eight to kick, I'm going to go with Kyle Crick. I think he's going to bounce back, and I think he's going to find find his groove again. Hopefully finds his groove and not grooving pitches. Don't take that literally, Crick. But I think, I, I think because he obviously has the talent. We saw what he could do. 18, 19 um, was one of our best pitchers those years. Uh, so I really think that it was kind of just jitters. Uh, day one, I, I look for him to bounce back and put up a big zero. Uh, don't let anyone get in scoring position. Don't let any inherited runners score. I'm going to go with Kyle Crick as my pitching pick to click. Kyle Crick from Arnold Flick. Um, I am probably would go with Nick Birdie to build on what I saw. Um... If you look at what Nick Birdie did last year, um, before the injury, it was only like one or two outings that really screwed him up. Um, I think he has just really, really good stuff. Like stuff that, you know, like that 99 plus fastball with the movement on his slider and curve really impressed me. Um, so I think I looked for him to build up on his performance performance. I have more trust in him than I, than I do. I think I have trust in Crick. Yeah, so far that seems to be the case, but we shall have to see. Obviously, both of us picked uh, bounce-back performances from the pitchers that showed signs of struggle on Friday. So, hey, yeah. Before we go, I'll throw one other thing at you. Cool. What do you... Th- I was talking to with a coworker today and they were saying that they're not concerned about the pitching because they thought the pitching coach was just going to say since the pitching coach is trying to change a lot of these you know pitchers and how they pitch that he just kind of went out and said pitch how you normally do and then since they all got shell he can say this is why we're trying to teach you how to pitch this way so this doesn't happen Instead of throwing a fastball here, here, and here, we want you to throw the fastball here, here, and here. And this is why citing their failure of the game. What are your thoughts on that? Maybe I, why. I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that uh, our pitching coach, I think, has been really working with a lot of our pitchers. Uh... I've heard, especially over the the break, over the shutdown, uh, Zooming and virtual means of 
coaching his pitchers and kind of getting giving them updates and, and giving them kind of tips and stuff. I don't think that that experiment would work particularly if they would have done that experiment, they would have done it way back in February uh, during OG spring training 1.0 and it would have been for a game or two and then they would have taught him how to do it right but with less than a week to go before the season starts that's either far-fetched or an incredibly dumb move if it's true but I highly doubt that that's what that was okay I would tend to agree with you I think he's just grasping for hope and not panicking yeah I mean conversely uh you have to give them time. It's not just going to be a magic fix. Like, you know, one, like, one year even. And it's just going to be like, oh, look. Look at how awesome everyone is now. You got to give them time. You got to give them a chance to really talk to them. And yes, they've been doing virtual stuff online. But that shutdown still, I would have to imagine, really hurt uh, progression with the pitching staff. Um... That could, I think, be... I would say that that could be a reason is uh, an unfinished product, perhaps. Maybe he is in the process of kind of rebuilding people's uh, pitching tendencies. And since the shutdown kind of cut all of it short, they're left with this half-finished kind of thing. And since it's not really polished, it ends up being even worse than the stuff they had originally. Um, But again, I think it's just... I think it's just a matter of we suck. <laughs> yeah. And I wish we could just figure out a pitch properly. Again, so I'm I'm willing to give our uh, regime time. Like I said, if by this time next year, we're still uh, performing this badly on the mound, then yes, I would start to question the methods and question the system and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like being reactionary, uh, is especially harmful in a new regime like this. Like we were talking, uh, Saturday slash Sunday about being reactionary about one game. I think that if we just look at, you know, a 60 game season, I think that would even be too reactionary when everything about this team has changed um, from the top down of course except for the guy at the very top but that's another story <laughs> but everyone else is completely new completely changed no one's back except for some players and the owner so I think we really need to look a year or two down the road before we start to analyze our new our new systems Shelton pitch, pitching coach Charrington everyone I mean, I can I can get behind that, but I would like to see improvement, though. Oh, definitely. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be stagnant, but what I'm saying is, you can't just expect us to go make the playoffs in a year. Dude, no one expects <laughs> us to go make the playoffs except Joe Block, apparently. Joe Block. Oh yeah, I I remember. <laughs> he just casually remarks on the broadcast. Yeah, that would be useful. In a playoff push when the Pirates are looking to make the playoffs. I just facepalm when I heard that. Ugh. 
Don't be delusional, Joe Block. I get it. You're a homer, but you're about the most optimistic person in the history of ever about this team. Not even Greg yeah. Brown, who is like the king of optimism, <laughs> is this optimistic about the team. It's funny because he was talking about the playing Cleveland in the regular season, and we finish it and we finish up in Cleveland as we kind of went over in our podcast when we were doing predictions. And he's like, "That'll be the series that we talk about or where the Pirates clinch." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and an entire city either laughs. Or doesn't because they didn't watch. Correct. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I think that just about does it for this episode. A bit of a shorter one. But, um, we didn't have much time between these past two episodes. So, obviously, this is what we have to work with. I'm thinking we do another one of these before opening day. Yeah, we'll probably react to the last preseason game. Definitely. Uh, So, we'll catch you guys probably on Thursday then. Yeah, and then we'll probably catch you again after the St. Louis series. Definitely. Yeah. Thinking Sunday, Monday. Then we can actually hit a regular uploading schedule, which we've been promising since May. (laughs) But COVID has not allowed that. Yeah, uh, because before you know it, the Pens will be back, then Steelers camp, and then... Well, because Steelers camp and Pens both come back the same day, July 28th. Yep. Next week. Crazy, right. crazy, crazy. But until then, uh, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pittsburgh Sports Cast. We upload there, and we upload wherever you listen to your podcast. We're glad to hear from you wherever you are. Uh, uh, Leave a comment below if you are watching this on YouTube. If you're not, you can still interact with us on Twitter at PGH Sportscast or by emailing us PittsburghSportsPodcast at gmail.com with your questions, concerns, suggestions, or anything else you'd like to let us know. Until Thursday, I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next time on the Pittsburgh Sports Cast. Stay safe, everybody.